In today's show, it's time to look at the reigning NBA, or is it world, champions, the Denver Nuggets Fantasy Basketball 2023 season coming up, Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore Beeble, on TikTok at redrock underscore Beeble, and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first, your second, your third listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms. This is podcast two for today. And we're talking about the Denver Nuggets. There will be, barring unforeseen circumstances, a show on just Yahoo Fantasy busts in general. So that'll come out, I don't know, soon. We're talking Denver Nuggets. And of course, that gives you another opportunity to enter the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> All right. Um, link is in the show notes, audio-wise. Link is in the description here on YouTube. Stay tuned. There'll be a secret question. Again, not so secret, but he's got to stay around for it. To answer, to put into that, we'll have 24, up to 24 head-to-head category league slots available in today's show and up to 12 points league slots going out. We might end up doing more points. It just depends on how many we get. Overall, $50 entry, 18-man uh, rosters, 12-team divisions. Top two in each division get a $200 payout. Then the big prize is going to depend on how many teams actually end up entering. But it's going to be over $5,000, probably six, dollars $7,000 for first prize overall. Hosted on fan tracks, hard 40-game limit each week. It's going to be a little bit different to your regular thing. We've already got the Fantasy Basketball World Cup, which is your standard settings, uh, multiple drafts through the season, a real test to see the best manager. This is a different format. I'm always trying to push the boundaries of fantasy and change things which have been set in stone and stuck in mud for 30 years. Why do we have to always just do the same thing when there are other ways to do it? And that's what we're testing out here. Bigger rosters, different strategy, different positions. Um, and just, but still, still standard categories. And for points leagues, we're doing ESPN standard points. So that's what we're doing. That I think you know the drill by now. Um, enter it form down below. All right, let's talk Denver Nuggets. Um, the schedule for a team that won the NBA championship, they don't get a particularly great run at things. And this is part of that small market nonsense, which is clear bullshit because. Denver's not a small market, is it? It's a big city. And I don't I don't understand this. I don't understand the obsession in uh, the States and American sports leagues about this big market, small market thing. There's no f- more fun team to watch than the Nuggets. Honestly, it's just, it's ridiculously good time watching them. But networks are nah, let's watch the Knicks. Bro, the Knicks might have been better last season. They definitely weren't super fun in comparison to the good teams who actually run things um, exciting for years. That's a side rant. Sorry to Knicks fans. You didn't mean to cop that stray. They have 44 quality games. That's what I'm talking about. They're not running at 55 like the Suns, who are going to be on national TV a lot more. And that's generally what that number means. That's not ideal. They do only have 13 back-to-back, so that's a W. Um, Their max weeks is low as well. 
that's nothing to do with schedule or market or anything like that. That's just how it pans out. And they don't have the greatest fantasy playoff situation. If you finish 24th of March, they go 3-4-3. That is the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl schedule. If you finish 31st, they do max max in that week, and that's 4-3-4, or max in that period. They go 3-4-3 if you end Yahoo default, and they go 4-3-4 if you end ESPN default, 14th of April. I do worry. It's good they've only got 13 back-to-backs. I think this team, given the nature of the championship, given the extended run that they had going through the playoffs, I do worry there is going to be some... Hmm, conditioning issues maybe some we don't careness early on but we also thought that with the Warriors right we thought that with the Warriors we thought oh they'd be able to ease off and then they started so poorly that they played everyone big minutes and given the fact that the Nuggets lost quite a few players and their depth is shaky which we're going to talk about we might as well just talk about it right now their depth is shaky they might not be afforded that. Usually, I think it's I think Adam Mario's host of Locked on Nuggets always has that's November fifteenth. Only analyze the Nuggets this season from November fifteenth onwards because Jokic comes in, he works his way into shape, and then November fifteenth he goes right, let's crack. And I worry that November fifteenth might be December fifteenth this season. But if they do start poorly, they're going to have to pull their finger finger out. There's no way that Jokic has been as focused on basketball in the offseason. We've seen it. You know, he loves to get away. Absolutely, he's right. He should do that. But he has a habit of starting slowly. And I worry that that just might be just ratcheted up slightly this season. That might head to Aaron Gordon, who's obviously been loving his life as well, or the headmaster, Jamal Murray, or any of these guys. There just might be a slower start, a little bit of conditioning issues, but that lack of depth might cut that down. That's a concern with these projections where we look at them and we can look at the numbers and we go, maybe they'll go easy, but they just might not be able to. So they might actually have to play more minutes to their big players because losing Jeff Green, who, who did struggle at times last season, losing the big one is the shark, Bruce Brown, who was able to just fill a myriad of different positions on this squad. And then losing Vlako Chanchar to the ACL injury, their depth is in real trouble. And the other problem or the pressure point when we're doing a drone view of this team is what if there is a hangover? What if they aren't in shape? What if they aren't switched on? What if they don't care about the regular season to begin this begin the year? It's, all of that is possible. And taking Nuggets players might end up being not great. And you might be losing a round, two rounds of value just because of a focus or a fatigue or a uh, taking care of your body sense. I think all of those things are are reasonable reasonable concerns to have, I think. Today's episode is brought to you by Fangel Sportsbook. Snap into action this NFL season with Fangel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. So if you've been thinking about joining Fangel, there has never been a better time. That is one of the most stock standard advertising copy phrases of all time. There's never been a better time to join Fangio, but it, it is also true. Like at the moment, five bucks in, $200 bonus bets. And you know, bonus bets, that's a different ad. That's not this company. These are $200 in bonus bets. And you can go in and have a look at the Miami Dolphins Super Bowl odds. Surely they're rocketed right up to the top because we are just not, we're not, we're not him. We're a bunch of hymns. That's the whole team. And you can put all of your bonus bets on futures, player props, money lines, spreads, over-unders, whatever it is you want. Don't take betting advice for me. Just know that the Dolphins are rolling and we're crushing it. And until we lose, I'll say this every time. So go to fanjul.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. Fanjul, 
official partner of the NFL, and don't forget to gamble responsibly. So who are some breakout candidates? They're all got a chance, these three guys, I think. One of them is Peyton Watson, who we saw towards the end of last season, who he literally averaged three points a game in college playing for UCLA and spent most of his time in the G League and then came in at the end of the season in the NBA and we went, oh, oh okay, this is interesting. Did the same thing in summer league, just hyper-athletic blocks. He came in, I guess, into college as like, oh, this guy's sort of a wing. And then we saw him play as more of a forward slash center, small ball center, blocking shots, uh, flying around the court. There are some concerns still with his game, but with Jeff Green gone, with Vlako Chanchar injured, I would say Watson has to be in the rotation. He averaged 1.4 steals and 1.5 blocks in 34 minutes in the G League. He averaged 20 points a game. Now, he shot 25% from three. But interestingly, he did shoot 81 from the line, and his NBA numbers weren't that. But 1.5 steals, 1.5 blocks, seven rebounds, three assists, 20 points, 81 from the line. That's a bloody good player. Now, it is the G League, and he's not going to start over Aaron Gordon or Michael Porter Jr., but... Michael Porter Jr., his back is always a risk, isn't it? And I don't know that he would necessarily, Peyton, jump into that starting lineup. It could be for the shooting, rookie Hunter Tyson, if he shows something. But Watson, they are very high on him. And he's going to have a role. And all it takes is probably one injury, maybe two. Like if Aaron Gordon went down, I'd feel like Watson would get first crack. And that would be a 12-10 pickup. Zeke Naji. Theoretically, he could be good. Right? Could block shots, can shoot threes, can grab rebounds. Literally every time he's had an opportunity to play, he gets hurt. Now, at this stage, there is no Jeff Green to be the backup center. There's no Thomas Bryant, who is putrid, obviously. There's DeAndre Jordan. There's no Vlaco Chancha. So it's going to have to be him that begins the season as the backup center. We don't want Big Chungus to get hurt, of course, but anything can happen at any point. And a three-point shooting, shot-blocking big man. Shout out to Porzingis. And there's lots of those guys. These the Kyle Anthony Towns used to be a shot-blocker, not anymore. They can be really valuable. Now, Najee's not that player. But when we look at the projections for him, given the turmoil in that front-court rotation, both him and Watson have big opportunities. And the other one's Christian Brown. He It's very rare to see a rookie play significant rotation minutes in the NBA playoffs or the finals. And Brown did that. His overall numbers as a you know, pick in the 20s, pick 21 last season, weren't great. Under five points, under 16 minutes. Shot 63 only from the line, under one assist. He did shoot uh, 50% from the field, 35% from three. Had some really key defensive moments, but it doesn't always translate into defensive stats. But when we look at the projection for him this season, I've got him sitting at, let's have a look, 23 minutes a night. All it takes is KCP to go down or even Maga Porter Jr. to go down, or Reggie Jackson to suck even more, or Justin Holiday to literally be how bad he was last season. And Brown's playing 29 a night and being marginally interesting. Now, he doesn't have the prettiest fantasy game overall. There's nothing that I stand and go, oh, he's actually really good at this one thing. But it wouldn't be outrageous knowing the idiot variation, knowing his defensive uh, aptitude, that if he played 27 a night, what if he got 1.3 steals and 10 points and two triples in a larger role? That's that's not hard to see. That's not great for everybody. And it's going to take a few things to get there. But these three players, two second-year guys, Watson and Brown, and Najee is a fourth-year guy, 
they are primed for bigger opportunities. It could be sink or swim, but they are primed for bigger opportunities this season. Let's take Maga Porter Jr. under the lens. Two years ago, at this time, we were pretty excited, me included, about Michael Porter Jr. as a third-round fantasy option. The reason for that was Jamal Murray was out for the season, so Porter was going to be the second option. He was going to get more usage. He was going to be a 20-plus point-per-game scorer, do it on elite field goals and free throws, maybe grab eight rebounds a night, uh, maybe even block a shot a game. And then he came out, shot about 20% from the field, lasted nine games, and was done for the year with a back problem. Fast forward to last offseason, I was sitting here telling you, bro, why are we drafting him at 50s? He was ranked at 56, which was insane. It made no sense as the third option with an iffy back. And of course, he never lived anywhere close to that, up to it. 112th in Yahoo points, 104th in ESPN points, 160 minus one head-to-head. Nowhere near that number because he wasn't pushed into that second role. Now, to say that Michael Porter Jr. struggled last season, I think would be a little erroneous. But what he did do for a guy as well, with the reputation of having some ego issues at times, the way that he fit into his role was unbelievable. And honestly, one of the biggest reasons that they won the title. Because at times there's been whispers like, oh, he's not getting enough shots. He's complaining. He was just like, I'm struggling. Bench me if you need to. Let me focus on defense. And let me do what I need to do to win the game. And he, and he did it. And there were times that he'd be benched to close games over for Bruce Brown. He was very important. But that doesn't mean tons for us fantasy-wise. He's always still going to have to manage that back problem too, I'd say. If you look at those minutes, it was encouraging that they did trend up as the season went on. There was a stretch there between like week seven, week nine, where he missed a bit of time with some injury flare-ups. And there were some limited time at the end of the year. He only played 29 minutes a night. If you have a look at his overall numbers, 19 points in 30. Uh, sorry, that's not right. He 29, 17 points in, in uh, 29 minutes. He hit three threes with five rebounds. The problem why his fantasy game is not good is one assist, 0.6 steals, 0.5 blocks. He shoots 49 from the field, very strong. 80 from the line on two attempts. That's right about league average. Uh, and 41% from three. Absolutely elite from out there. So decent scoring, but that scoring is actually around average. Good threes, that's above average. And then everything else is sort of average to below average, including his percentages, despite them being very good. So we look at those minutes. They're relatively consistent. I think he maybe gets one or two extra. Again, the 29 last season was the back return, the return from back injury, plus the presence of Bruce Brown. And hopefully... That back injury is not an issue. And secondly, we know Bruce Brown is not there and he's not cutting into that playing time. So there is scope for him to get better just from one or two extra minutes. And again, you'll see a slower start to the season. These are three-pointers made per week. He had a week there in week, what was it, week 18, where he hit 21 threes in a week. That's huge. That's huge. Now, normally, I think what what gets you a good, a good value in threes for the week is about 80 to 90 is probably a winning number. He hit 21 of them himself. That's that's strong. And lots of good double-digit weeks. 13, 14, 10, 12. A couple of poorer ones towards the end, but that's when the Nuggets really took their foot off the gas. But it was a solid improvement as the season went on. And he's always going to shoot it really strongly in terms of percentage. And you have a look again at his usage. Low 20s early on, pushing more to mid-20s as the season goes forward. 
just a little bit more confidence, getting a few more of those touches. That last week at 31%, again, that was when guys were resting, ignored a lot of that stuff to week 23, week 24 with the Denver Nuggets, but he was able to get that usage bumping up. So there are a few little positive signs as Porter, when we look at, again, 106 outside the top 100 in all three formats, though as the season went on, things did start to improve, and we can also look at the minus one rank. Again, it's troubled early on, but numerous weeks there inside the top 50 towards the end of the season started to get it back on track. Again, all of that is very positive. And that also ties into the Darko DPM change graph, because what this is, is a level of the slope of, of positive improvement, you got that little negative line there. And he, towards the start of the season, had dipped down to being a guy that was plateauing. And you go, ooh, that's not great. Injuries are a part of that. Huge positive improvement at the start of his career. Started to slow. Then he started to hit plateau. But as the season went on, he started to get back on track. The improvement started to kick back up. So we're in a situation where we go, okay, there is still a little bit more here in terms of positive impact. He's only 25 that Porter can bring. Again, a really good sign after the injury, that he was able to come back, fight through it, and improve and really help this team out a lot. Darko does work through the playoffs as well, so showing some of the improvement there in the playoff numbers. This next graph that we're looking at here is something that I think is really important to note. It is just showing how good of a shooter this guy is and why he is vital to being in positions on this team and that doesn't always translate to fantasy, but it's always going to give him shot attempts, and it's always going to give him minutes. On the y-axis is the three-point shooting talent percentile. How good of a three-point shooter are you? That is not percentage. This takes into account volume, percentage, difficulty, um, all of those sort of things. He sits right up around the 97th percentile, 98th percentile. So one of the best, absolute best, three-point shooters in the entire NBA. The, gra- the x-axis is what is the quality of shots that you're getting from three? Are you getting wide open corner threes? Are you taking difficult contested threes, double team threes, pull up threes, late shot clock threes? Porter is in the bottom 25 percentile, meaning the threes that he is taking are bloody hard. And he's doing it 41%. He's hitting them. The other guys on this list, I try to compare into a lot of other sort of shooting power forward type players. The one down the bottom who had the easiest shot quality is Patrick Williams, who he did in the Bulls the other day, who shoots well, but and he's an okay shooter, like 84th percentile shooting talent, but his shots are just easy as. He doesn't have to do anything difficult with it. And that's the worry I have with him, is if he does push into a larger role, that he won't maintain that shooting. The guy next to him is Tobias Harris, whose shot quality is in about the 80th percentile, so pretty easy shots next to Harden and Embiid. What if there is no Harden and he's replaced by Kelly Oubre? Like, how hard do the Harris shots get? Does that overall impact his numbers? The guy up the top there who has really good shooting talent percentile is Keegan Murray at about 96th percentile in shooting talent. That's impressive. But also, he was at 80% in terms of shot quality, 80th percentile. So if he moves into a larger role and he has to take those harder shots, comparing a Porter and a Murray based on volume of threes or three-point percentage, is not really a fair comparison. And then you go to the other guy down the bottom here, who's ranked 88th percentile of three-point shooting talent, Kyle Kuzma, but the difficulty of his shots were really, really tough. He's sitting at like almost the bottom in terms of how hard those three were. Now, some of that's himself, taking poor shots and poor decisions, but his shooting is really tough. What this goes to show is that Porter is an elite shooter doing it on a very hard diet of shots. 
And while there might be other guys you think can compare, if they push into his role, they wouldn't be as successful is my guess. And again, what this shows us is even though you can find 40% three-point shooting forwards around, like Patrick Williams, like Keegan Murray, doing what Porter does is very, very hard. And that always is going to guarantee a role. It's going to leave him with a pretty consistent um, shooting percentage, which if things do ease up, it probably rises. And there's not many guys I would go in and say, I think you can project this guy to hit 42% of threes. And if he hits 45, I'm not going to like, it's him, it's Luke Kennard, it's Steph. There's not many others. If I see someone at 43, I go, maybe he's a 40% guy. Yeah, maybe he's 41. Him, Kennard, and Steph, I've got 40, and Joe Harris, 43, totally real. Like absolutely within the realms of possibility that you knock him down regularly at that number. That is how highly I view his shooting ability. The other stuff for fantasy is always going to be a little bit on the periphery. But we hope that we get a little bit more of usage. We hope we get a little bit more minutes, which can push him a little bit higher. And we are going to talk about him. We're going to talk about him soon. I don't know why I phrased it that way. When I said I was going to talk about him soon, I mean, we talk about not sleepers. He might be a little bit of a bust though. We'll talk about it. Let's talk some sleepers. I've already talked Peyton Watson. And I don't think he's necessarily a 12-team league guy. In fact, I wouldn't draft him in 12 teams. But it is worth mentioning. He does not have an ADP on Yahoo. He does not have a rank on ESPN for points or 9-cat. He's ranked on Yahoo at 484. Crazy. That's suggesting if you're in a 50-team league, probably maybe, maybe you draft him then. Come on. In a 20, in an 18, in a 16, absolutely worth a grab. If you're looking in a 14 team, maybe as a last pick, maybe, just for that shot blocking upside alone. Fantrax ADP got him at 234, which doesn't, that's about reasonable. It doesn't mean that he's bad at that pick. It just means I don't think there's great value in it. But when you're looking at those other numbers on the other two major sites, again, the ESPN ADP is fake at 140. Don't believe that. That he's way down the list. So if you're in deeper leagues, you have to scroll a bit to find him, but he's going to be worth it for those deeper formats. And the other one that does bear us discussing here is the headmaster himself, Jamal Murray, who came back from his ACL, was a little shaky early on, did have some knee problems through the season, but as usual, stepped it up in the playoffs. He's only 26, so he hasn't even hit his prime yet. He played 33 minutes a night. He averaged 20 points, four rebounds, over six assists, a steal, 45 and 83, really good numbers. Now, it could be better. It could be better. He could get to the line more than three times a game. He could get seven assists. He could play 34 minutes. And I think he's going to have to. So, last season, Murray, for a points league, was ranked 55th in Yahoo. In an ESPN points league, he was ranked 50th. In a head-to-head league for um, minus one ranks, he was 64th. None of that's super inspiring. But I think he's going to have to do more this season. So Yahoo's got him at 45. His ADP is 43. Fantrax has got an ADP of 48. ESPN's got him ranked 53 categories, 52 points, ADP 51. I actually think that he's better than nearly all those. Now, 43 on, on Yahoo's ADP is probably getting to the right spot, middle fourth round. But honestly, if you wanted to go start of fourth round, end of third round, assists become hard to find. I think he's going to play more than 32 minutes. Getting a 20, let's say 22-point scorer, maybe 24-point scorer, who might get six assists, seven assists, hit three and a half threes, and we hope, now that he's a bit more confidence in his knee, gets the line four or five times. That's the thing for him. 
Right, he's a great shooter from the line, but only three attempts. Get to six. He's a top 25 player if he gets six. That's hard to do, but that's the star jump. Didn't mean one of those things. Do you call them star jumps in America? We do. Anyway, I don't know. If he gets the line six times, he's a top 20 player. So getting that guy who gets assists, is efficient, scores well, hits threes in the 50s or in the fourth round, I really like it. It's not a big big jump in value in terms of um, in terms of rank numbers. It's not that big. But in that area of a draft, you're not, not going to find 20 spots, 30 spots of value that easily. It's about, can I get a round here? Can I get a round and a half, maybe? And I, th- I, th- I think we can get that. I hope we can get that. And that brings us to the question for Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl. Jamal Murray last season returned from an ACL injury. What percent, what percent did Jamal Murray shoot from three? Rounded up to an integer. What's an integer? Just don't do decimals. The answer is 40. Jamal Murray shot 40% from three last season in his return from an ACL injury. In the secret question part on the form, just write 40. That's all you need to write as the answer. 40% from three, just write 40. That does bring me to talk about fantasy busts. And unfortunately, I do have to talk about Maga Porter Jr. here. Because despite all those things that I said and about his value to an NBA team and his value to your fantasy team in hitting threes, and we expect more than 29 minutes, these numbers are a little bit crazy to me. Yahoo's got him at 76. All right, so we're just going 40 spots higher than last year. His ADP's at 77. Fantrax, ADP 94, bang on. And actually at 94, he might have room to beat that a little bit. At 76, I don't think he does in any format. Well, that's not true. He might get there or beat it by four or five spots. But going higher than that would require a big injury to Jokic or a big injury to Murray. And we don't want that to happen. On ESPN for category leagues, he's ranked at 83. Again, it's too high. But... The ADP on ESPN at 105 and the points rank at 109, perfect, beautiful, love it. Never seen a better rank in my life. Probably you call it the perfect rank. You wouldn't, but it's actually it's actually really good. So that's where busts and sleepers have a ton of nuance. Is Michael Porter Jr. a bust this season? No. Is he a bust if you pick him at 76? Probably. Is he useful at pick 109? Absolutely. And that's a wild difference. So even though I will have shows that'll be like sleepers, bus, when you're there, nothing ever is ever like that. It's all nuanced. These guys as well, like 30 spots, 20 spots difference in rankings, it's half a three. It's 0.2 steals sometimes. So while I am shitting on a rank of 76 of Porter, and I wouldn't take him there, if you're in a situation, go, man, I need can someone get me 19 points and hit three and a half threes maybe with six boards and do it efficiently? Not many guys around. It's him or Keegan. Uh, maybe you take him. And if it's around too early, doesn't matter that much. We hyperfixate, and I'm gonna again. This is one of my bugbears. We hyperfixate on the draft, and this this is me saying this shit, knowing that the biggest period for me in terms of work and content creation and videos is people looking at stuff before their draft. And I'm out here telling you guys, it doesn't matter as much as you think it does. It actually hurts me. I could come in here and go, you will never win a league unless you nail your draft by listening to me, which is clear garbage. I'm never going to say that. We hyper-focus on the draft. We hyper-focus on things like perfect pairings, which don't exist. It's got to be about 
balance, nuance, finding the right guys in the right spot, building the team correctly, and then making the correct moves during the season. That's how you have success. Not about just bang, 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 nailing every draft pick, sitting on my ass and doing nothing the rest of the year, and I've hit the perfect pairing. It can't go wrong. It's not how it works. The only injury heading into the season is Vlako Chencha, who tore his ACL in the FIBA World Cup warm-ups. See, he'll be out, you would guess, all season. That just, again, opens that up for Peyton Watson, for Zeke Naji, maybe for DeAndre Jordan. God, I hope not. What about a trade option? I looked at the roster and go, who are they going to trade? And, and I don't actually think they're going to do anything. Would they trade Murray or KCP or Gordon or Porter? Obviously not Jokic or Brown. No. They should trade Reggie, Reggie Jackson and get a real point guard back. Because he's not that. He's not that. Get a real backup in. But they probably won't. And that probably doesn't impact you in fantasy. Contract year, guys. Uh, okay, cool. Justin Holiday and DeAndre Jordan both signed for one year. Both are bad. Both are old. Both are washed. And both should not be in the rotation. So that'll just about do it for that segment. What are the rotation risks? Well, it's going to be an injury. Because if KCP or Gordon or Porter or Murray or Jokic goes down, there's going to be an untested, unproven player or a washed player step into a larger role. Watson, Brown, Najee, Jackson, Holiday, Strouder, Tyson. And that would mean that those players would move in and get their values jumped, but the remaining standing players would have to take on way more responsibility. So that's that's a that's a risk. We also look and go, well, I, I expect Watson and Najee to play, but what if the doctor, Michael Malone, wants DeAndre Jordan out there? What if he likes Hunter Tyson shooting more than Peyton Watson's? That's a risk too. But what if these guys like Strouder and Tyson and Jalen Pickett, who I would hope could get minutes off Reggie Jackson, what if they're as late firsts and in two of their cases, second round picks, what if they're just not up to it? Then They're relying upon, they, they traded because they believe getting old players, and Pickett's like 24, he's five-year college, I think six maybe, uh, playing at Penn State. They go, well, the older players must be ready because it worked a little bit for them in Christian Brown. It doesn't always work, man. Sometimes the players are old because they weren't good enough to come out of college. So they're relying upon that. Three rookies that they think, I guess at least one, maybe two will be rotation guys. That's a risk, man. And that could really muck, muck things up. Permanent monsters. I've got to throw Peyton Watson in there. Steals and blocks. Could he average two blocks in 30 minutes with 1.2 steals, 16 points, nine rebounds? That's pretty good, yeah? Like that, that's, that's a top 100-ish fantasy guy. We're a long way away from it happening, and it is going to require weird stuff going on. But we watch it. And the other one, and I bet you didn't think you had a Jay Huff discussion here, but Jay Huff, two-way guy who is a center, played for the Wizards and the Lakers in the past. He's just one of those guys. Think Drew Eubanks. I know that, oh, that was an easy one, Josh. White backup center. Jay Huff goes out there, and he just does stuff that's good. And given that the backup center position is Zeke Nagy and DeAndre Jordan, maybe a little bit of Peyton Watson, but he's only like 6'9". You've got 50 games of a two-way guy. Huff's, Huff's interesting, man. He he can do a few things. He can rebound. He can do some. He can be pretty good defensively. It would just be one of those ones, especially for deeper leagues, just one of those ones to watch. He's, he's bounced around a little bit. But there are guys that bounce around like we did the Maverick show earlier today, AJ Lawson. Like, I, there's no hope for him as a two-way guy. I have no hope at all. Huff, maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. Let's look at the depth chart. They are going to start Jamal Murray as a guard. 
just went in detail about him before. Then there's Reggie Jackson, Jalen Pickett, and 2A legend Colin Gillespie, who is the reincarnation of TJ McConnell, except he can shoot. But he just looks too small, man. I saw him play in summer league. He just doesn't look right. As a, he doesn't look like an NBA player to me at all. I would hope that Pickett and his big ass and his post play can take over from Reggie Jackson, but you're relying upon a second-year old college player. Maybe it is the Andrew Nembhard effect, and that would be a deeper league one to watch. So you'd want to watch that battle. For the wings, I'm counting KCP as a wing. He can play a two, play three. You never want him to play one, so he's not really a guard. One of those players that a straight nine-cat ranking will horribly overrate. So you'll come in with 1.4 steals and 0.8 turnovers and score 12 points with two threes and go, oh, he's actually the 70th best player. I mean, he's not. He's totally okay to grab late in the draft. The upside is, is puny. It's, there's nothing there. But if you are looking for a threes and steals combo, by all means. Look at his numbers last season, and you don't actually have to because I'm going to look at them now and tell you about them. He played 31 minutes a night. Cool. He averaged 11 points with two threes, 2.7 rebounds, 2.4 assists, 1.5 steals, shot 46 and 82, and had a 42% three-point shooting number. That is very misleading. He was rolling, him and Jeremy Grant, they were rolling at like 46% three-point shooting for about three months, and then he shot, I think, 33% for the final three months. Now, it averaged out to 42, but is he 46 or is he 33? Or is he somewhere in the middle, which is not exactly 42. He's probably 38, 39. And that obviously contributes to a lot of that production that you might like, 1.83s, and even the steals are, are up and down. So don't be fooled into looking at some of KCP. Look, hang on a second. I'm just seeing this now as I got past a fake note by my producer who doesn't exist. KCP's ranked 81st on Yahoo. I am so sorry. What? In fact, little John, I don't get to use this one often. Oh, I've got two of them. What? What the hell? There's no way that's... Am I, am I being punked here? Oh, no, it's all right. I get it. I get it. I, I know what I'm looking at. That was last year's X rank. All right. That makes more sense. Holy crap. That was looking at last year's X rank. Man. Now, okay. I was looking at the wrong page. Wow. Far out. That made me scared. His uh, X rank is 139 this season, KCP. That's more in line, more in line. His backups at the wing Christian Brown, Justin Holiday, and Braxton Key, two way Pistons legend. Don't think he's really much of a player either. But Brown is going to play, I would say, minimum 20, probably 24, maybe 27. And Holiday, they might try, but he was terrible in Atlanta and worse in Dallas. He's 35. The shooting's not there. I don't I don't think he can do it anymore. But you know what? Jokic makes players look better, so you never know. Let's go to the forwards. Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter will be the starters there. I've talked at length about Gordon uh, Porter. I haven't spoken about Gordon, but let's do it now. Aaron Gordon was very, very good last season. His overall rank might not tell you that, but he was quite good. 16 points, a three, six rebounds, three assists, 0.8 steals, 0.8 blocks, 56 and 61. So why was his rank... So poor, well, it's the free throws just dragged it right down. So you look at his overall numbers and you go, okay, he's like 130th, 140th. Man, that's not draftable. 83rd in minus one. Be really careful about him, Stephen Adams in particular at the back end. If you've got him, the free throws drag everything way down. But if you're in a situation where you're super strong or you're very, or quite bad, then this is a top 100 player you can add to your team. Through very strong field goals, good blocks, Nice little assist bump of three, 
okay to above average rebounds. Very, very good player. And again, like all of these starters, if this depth problem is real, he might have to play more than last season where he didn't play a huge amount. What, 32 minutes? Actually, 30 minutes a night he played last season. Uh, there might be some value here in Big As. If we have a look at his... Um, ESPN ranks 116. Well, like that. Yahoo's at 114. Not bad. And again, when you look at that compared to straight rankings from last season, he won't look anywhere near that appealing. So that's an interesting one. Backing them up is Peyton Watson, who will also play some center, but I've got him listed as a forward. Hunter Tyson, who did a little bit more off the bounce than I thought he was able to do in summer league, but he is a very good shooter at Clemson, older player. I do worry about him defensively or where he fits in, but coming in and spelling Michael Porter... Filling in for Michael Porter as a shooter. That's worth watching. And then Julian Strauber, who I wasn't very impressed with in Summer League, but I thought he had some okay moments coming out of Gonzaga. Oh, no, he played very well in Gonzaga, obviously. A very strong rebounding wing. The shooting is... Eh, we'll see. We'll see if it translates. It's not bad, but we'll see if it translates. And I'm just not sure. Does he have a standout skill? It's probably rebounding for his position, but that is, that's okay depth there. Watson, Tyson, Strauber, assuming Tyson and Strauber do what we think they might do. And then for the bigs, we've we've almost 40 minutes in and we haven't really talked about him because I don't really know what to say. Jokic is the best player in the NBA. He's the best player in the world. He's the best player in fantasy basketball and has for ages. Years, he's been the best in fantasy. He averaged 24 and 12 with 10 assists almost, 9.8 round up. 1.3 steals, 63 and 82 absolutely elite percentages. He only hits 0.83s. You'd be stupid, I believe, to take anyone else at number one in a category league. That doesn't mean that he's going to finish at number one, but it also doesn't matter. He might be really slow early on in the season. Maybe a buy low will appear. Points leagues, I can get an argument that you might want to take Luca. although as we detailed earlier, not a great playoff schedule there, and that might be the differentiating factor. The other guys in, in the mix there in points leagues are Giannis and his knee, no good. So it is, it is a little bit tough to... Again, go past Jokic in those spots. Yeah, Embiid, you want to look at? I still think you go Jokic in basically all situations. And if Luka didn't have the thigh problem, Giannis didn't have the knee, I would take them over Jokic in points. But those things aren't real. I mean, those situations aren't real. The situation is that they have those current concerns and problems. Is there a time that Jokic is going to drop away? Yeah. He is 29. Would you... This is dial this towards Dynasty. Is he an absolute lock for number one pick in Dynasty? I don't know. I think probably. But we're talking five, six years older than Luca. Seven, eight years older than Lamelo, Ten years older than Weminyama. Depends how you want to look at your league. You probably still do take him on, but it's not as clear cut there. But he's, I don't know. You just don't overthink it. He dialed his usage back last season with Murray and Porter returning. Upped his assist rate retained a ridiculous efficiency. There's no reason those things aren't going to happen. But as you would have heard many times in the past, you just take Jokic number one, he never gets hurt. He, he did get hurt last season. He hurt his hamstring. He missed some time. He had a bit of a wrist or arm thing at one point. Yeah, some of the games down the end, he probably could have played through them, but nobody is indestructible. So this is not to say not to draft him because of course you do. He's the number one pick. Don't get me twisted. He, You pick him number one everywhere. It doesn't guarantee a number one finish for Jokic, and, but it doesn't matter. The backups there, Zeke Naji, DeAndre Jordan, the injured Vlako Chancha, and Jay Huff. And I think I've spent enough time on those guys. 
Let's look at some numbers there for Durant and for Bazemore. Durant actually really likes Aaron Gordon as well. Another little feather in his cap. Jokic dropped somewhat in Durant. So that's something to monitor because, and I'll tell you why, is because regular fantasy rankings, he's got this super high field goal percentage and a super high free throw percentage. And I do think that the way the scale runs on Z scores for percentages is probably spread a little bit too far. Meaning, given the somewhat fickle nature also of week-to-week production and the details that I've shown with the way free throw percentage can be impacted, that Durant does does squeeze the values on free throw percentage a little bit. So that pushed him down to number three, I think it was, on Durant. Durant is still in beta testing. We're still monitoring it. But it did make him a little bit closer to those other guys. Durant also loves Peyton Watson. Bear that in mind. Really pumped him up 40, 50 spots. In terms of Bazemore and Dynasty rankings, it did have Michael Porter Jr., who's only 25, inside the top 90. So a bit of improvement there. And Christian Brown and Peyton Watson, the two two younger guys. Watson inside the top 150 and Christian Brown inside the top 160 for a Dynasty startup. Of course, we cranked that to a rebuilding mode and Watson probably jumps to around 100 in that sort of a situation. And that will do it for me today. Don't forget, get your Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl entries in and... I don't know what time, but should be getting a Yahoo Busts video later today where I can go all screaming A and uh, dropping hot takes and whatever you want. I won't, but you know, got to get the people in. Follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And on YouTube, thumb it up and leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. I'm not.